Hello everyone and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm Rory McDonald from the Dairy Australia Farm Team. Today's pod deals with one of the most challenging issues around dairy cows. Downer cows can be frustrating, time-consuming, expensive and even emotionally taxing to deal with. For such an important and complex subject, we're lucky enough to have Australia's foremost authority, Phil Poulton, chatting with Steph Bullen from Dairy Australia's Animal Health and Fertility Team about the best way to get your cows back on their feet. Phil is a Gippsland vet who has done extensive research into downer cows and leads Dairy Australia's farmer education on the subject. By the end of this podcast, you should have a much better idea on the steps to take when one of your girls can't get up off the ground. Welcome to the podcast, Phil. Thank you, Steph. Do you want to start by telling the listeners how you got interested in down cows? Well, I did some research back in about 10 years ago where I went around in two calving seasons down here in South Gippsland and looked at all of the cows that were downer cows. So so they had to be down for more than 24 hours and bright and alert for me to be included in the study. Um, I end up with over 200 cows that I investigated very closely, looked at why they went down initially, uh, how they were being nursed, what secondary damage occurred, if any, what the outcome was, um, and that gave me a great amount of information to analyse and work out what's going on. Um, and that formed the basis of my PhD on down cows. So you, you can have a cow. Let's, let's, I'm just going to throw you a scenario here. So you're on a farm. We're, we're here in Menion at the moment. You're on the neighbour's farm. The cow goes down. She's calved. She goes down with milk fever. She's treated. She might get up. She could go down again. She might not ever get up again in that sort of period after she's been treated. If she's still down after 24 hours, she becomes a downer cow. What's happened in that time, Phil? What, what's going on with the cow? Yeah, okay. So there's two possibilities. One is that she wasn't treated effectively enough for the, the milk fever, so she's still got a low-grade milk fever and that's stopping her getting up. So if that's the case, more calcium is what she needs. But a lot of the times, the damage is actually the secondary damage, and that's mainly pressure damage to the muscles and the nerves, particularly of the back leg. Any cow that's down... Um, there's a lot of weight and pressure goes on the particularly the hamstring group of muscles yeah the of side nerve runs through that so you get swelling within the muscle because of the pressure unlike us that can lie around in bed all day cows can't um, so if the surface is hard or it's cold uh, then it's more likely to occur that swelling will then cause damage to the muscle so you get weakness of the muscle to stop some calling up the swelling also puts pressure on the nerve and then you get some nerve damage similar to what you get with a calving paralysis when you've got a, a calf that's squashing the nerve in the pelvic of the cow. So between the muscle and the nerve damage, that will then stop the cow having any ability to get up herself. It's a bit like having pins and needles if you've been sitting in the chair too long, but obviously it's more severe than that because then causing pathology to the muscles and the nerves and that will then stop the cow from being able to recover. Sure. So how quickly, so this is the secondary damage we're talking yes. about, this this muscle and nerve damage that's a consequence of the cow sitting on her back legs. How, how soon after she goes down and can't get up does she start developing that secondary right. damage? So that's a good question because that can vary, obviously, like everything. Um, if it's a big heavy cow and she's down on a hard surface like concrete, and a good example of this would be a cow that's fallen down in the yard when you're milking her, Sometimes even within one or two hours, that's long enough to cause irreparable damage to the muscles and the nerves. 
So a cow down on a hard surface, it really is an emergency to get her off. Mm. A lot of farmers say, I'll do that when I finish milking, and big her, that might be three hours later. And sometimes that's too long, and the cow at that point has already had irreparable damage to her. Um, a small light cow on soft, deep bedding has very little pressure damage. So it's a combination of the surface and the type of cow, and also whether she can swap from side to side. And these are all factors when we're talking about nursing later on that we need to consider because a, a downer cow, like a paralysis cow, that's going to take two or three days to get up or a week or so to get up, if she gets secondary damage because she's not being nursed properly, then the secondary damage will stop her recovering whether she gets over the primary damage or not. Yeah, of course. So let's go Let's go back to that scenario where we've got the cow down and the paddock fill. Um, uh, what, what's... What's the first thing that we need to do when we find a cow down? You know, we're bringing the cows in for milk and we find a cow down in the paddock. Um, what, what, what's your advice for a farmer in terms of really trying to minimise that risk of secondary damage? Yep. Okay, so again, on the Dairy Australia website, there's a, uh, a flow chart called a decision tree, which I've loaded up, which is something we uh, produced out of all the research. And that's a really good way of stepping a farmer through what you should or shouldn't do. Um, now, it has been described as a bit like snakes and ladders and some people have a bit of trouble following it, but if you sort of read through it, it is fairly straightforward. Now, so farmers found a, a cow that's down in the paddock. The first thing he needs to do is assess whether that's a what I call an alert down cow or a non-alert down cow, because that'll affect the severity and the urgency in dealing with that animal. If it's a milk fever cow and she's dull and depressed, lying on her side looking really crappy, that's an emergency, obviously, and she needs to be treated straight away. Similarly, if she's got a toxic mastitis or something like that, which is making her depressed. If she's sitting there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and just can't quite get up, well, yes, we need to treat her as quickly as we can, but it's not necessarily urgent, unless she's in an unsafe environment. And this, again, is on my flowchart. So what I mean by that is off, she's under the fence, she's on the edge of a dam or she's on concrete or gravel or a hard surface because we don't want to leave her in an unsafe environment for any uh, lot, any time at all. So there's some quick checks that most farmers can do feel like most farmers would be probably familiar with milk fever but that's not always the cause or the primary cause. What what would be your tips for kind of minimum checks if you've got a, a non-alert cow? What are kind of the key things that a farmer needs to check? Yeah okay so milk fever is obviously mainly associated with freshly calved cows, so immediately before or in the few days afterwards. Um, they're going to be down, they're going to be dull and dopey, their nose will be dry, but they're not dehydrated, the eyes will not be sunken. Um, so if the eyes are way back in the head, then that makes me think that something toxic, like a mastitis or a bad salmonella or something like that, and running calcium into the vein on those cows can actually kill them, so you, you've got to be well, careful yep. that you're not going to... A lot of farmers assume any cow that stands milk fever and they run calcium into the vein. Um, now, it's a good starting point, but I urge you to be careful because giving too much calcium, giving it too quickly, or giving it to a cow that's not calcium deficient can cause the cow to die off the end of your needle. Okay, so great tip, Phil. So if you've got a cow that... So we, we talked about cows that are bright and alert but still can't get up, and we've got the cow that's dopey and dull and depressed... If she's dopey, dull and depressed, but she's got sunken eyes, that's a bit more of a problem than just a milk fever cow. And in that instance, that's when it would be most appropriate to call the vet, do you think? Yes, often if, they're, if, if they've gone down acutely with a, a very severe illness, they need urgent attention, which would need veterinary to then be able to hit it properly. 
Um, and if the farmer's not sure, well then if you're going to run some calcium in, do it slowly and carefully by all means. And if the cow responds, yes, it is milk fever. But if it doesn't respond, or if you're not sure, then I'd urge you to get secondary advice, which is probably the vet to come out and see what's going on. Because there's no point treating a cow for milk fever when she doesn't have milk fever because she's not going to respond. You know, if she's down with pregnancy to toxemia, which can look like a mild milk fever, then it's quite a different treatment and uh, you're on the wrong tram if you're treating her with calcium and not treating her appropriately for what she Yeah, has. and the longer she's down, Phil, the more susceptible she's going to be to that secondary, that's, to developing that secondary that's damage. exactly right, and that's the trouble that by the time you then realise you're on the wrong train, the vet comes out, well, then there's all the secondary damage, so the cow's really behind the eight ball before you started. So treating her appropriately and promptly for the primary is a, is a foundation of uh, down cow, and that's a no-brainer. Um, making sure that you're on the right train is very, very important. And then once we've dealt with the primary, that's when we then start to think about the secondary. And again, continuing to treat a cow that's down with muscle damage from milk fever with calcium when she's no longer has milk fever does nothing. You need to then nurse her, perhaps use anti-inflammatories and other appropriate treatment to look after the secondary damage to get her yeah. All right. So let's, I think that's probably a nice segue into the next part of our conversation, Phil. So we've got a cow, she's gone down with milk fever. We've treated her with the milk fever. So she's gone from dull and flat to a bright cow that's trying to get up, but she can't get there. So it seems like we've addressed the milk fever, but she's just not able to get up on her own. What do we do then? Okay. So what we want to do after a couple of hours of giving her the treatment would come back and reassess her. And if she's in the situation where you suggest there, Steph, it might be she just needs a bit more calcium. Um, but it could also be that it's a wet, cold, shitty day in the middle of winter time, and the cow has actually now got a subnormal temperature and she's actually cold. She's lost her circulation in the legs because of the coldness and she can't get up from that. So under those situations, that's when it's important to move the cow into our dedicated nursing area, which we'll talk more about, um, where she's going to be warm, looked after properly, and that'll give her a good chance. Because leaving her out in the paddock in a wet, cold day when the circulation is not very good from the milk fever anyway, and now she's got compromised by the coldness, then that's the secondary damage that will stop her getting up. And presumably that's the same. I mean, we've got a, a range of listeners, you know, in northern Victoria and, you know, even right up to subtropical dairy where it's not cold. But even just you talked about that hard ground, um, you know, even if it's yes. not cold, it could be that she's starting to get that secondary damage that you were talking about as well. So it's just as important to move those cows into our dedicated nursing area as well. Indeed. And uh, for our friends up in the subtropics, I know heat stress can be an issue too. So a of cow course. sitting out on a hot, stinking day then she needs to be out of there, otherwise she'll have the opposite effect to what we have here in South Gippsland where they all uh, die of frostbite. So, um, so yes, getting and protecting her from the cold weather is... Oh, sorry, the, extre the, uh, the, the extreme weather is important, be that hot or cold. And as you say about the, the surface too, if she's still down on a hard surface after a few hours, well, that could well be the problem and we need to move her off that. All right. Let's talk about moving down cows, Phil. Yep. How on earth do you move a down cow? What's the okay. what's the consideration? Um, very important because the last thing we want to do is actually do more damage by moving her into our dedicated nursing area than if we left her alone. Um, some farmers would pick the cow up with hip clamps only and lift her up high and then as she's dangling from the hip clamps, take her from the paddock way up to the shed. Uh, that's unacceptable from a welfare point of view. Um, and I'd strongly, strongly discourage that. If you have hip clamps and then you put a, a chest strap underneath her to support her sternum, 
So you have on your forks on your tractor the hip clamp off one end and the chest strap off the other. That's acceptable. That's quite easy to do, um, providing you're going slowly and carefully and not too far. Uh, you can put her on a variety of slings or carryalls or things like that. But what I recommend is the easiest and best way is to actually roll her into the, the, the uh, front end loader bucket on your tractor. And if you secure the head secure, uh, safely with the halter so she can't move around and then crowd the bucket up so she's basically sitting on her back, that's a really safe way to transfer port her quite a, a distance. So and Phil, again, can I... Sorry, just again on the Dairy Australia website, one of the videos is showing me rolling a cow in there to show you how to do that. It's very easy with two people. Okay, that's great. That was going to be my question, Phil, Perfect. is how on earth do you get a cow into a bucket? I mean, she's 500 kilos and, you know, we might be 50, 60, 70 <laughs> kilos. So is there yeah. a knack to it, Phil? Yeah, look, it's quite... It's uh, easy. Two people, three would make it easier, depending on the cow. But you've got one person in the tractor, so you just bring the bucket up to the edge of the cow and then roll the cow from one side to the other into the front of the bucket and with a halter on her head, bend her head all the way back around. That'll call her to f cause her to fall into the bucket. And once she's done that, the driver can then move forward, scoop up with the, and then basically a scoop her up. And you talked briefly about the chest straps, Phil. So is that a special piece of equipment or what's, what, um, what is a no, chest strap? it's just something that you get from uh, the hardware store, just a, one of those trucking strop, straps with the, uh, the ratchet on it. Um, so if you put the hip clamps on, lift the cow up enough that you can then throw the strap underneath the brisket, lower the cow down again, and then secure the two ends of the trucking strap to the fork. Um, and just a matter of adjusting the length right. So when you pick the cow up, the cow will be horizontal. You don't want the chest higher or lower than the back end. Um, and just a little bit of a knack in getting that right. But once you've done that, you can then uh, support the cow pretty well and, and off you go. So, so um, if you're moving her a short distance, um, hip clamps and a chest strap is an acceptable way to move her so you haven't got all the weight on the hips. Yes. Uh, but if you're moving her an extended distance, then they really do need to go into the bucket of a tractor. Am yes. I right? Yeah. I think that's the easiest way. Um, the trouble with putting on a carry-all or a, a, a sled or a tray is that the cow tends to crawl off it. So if she's in the bucket and sitting up on her back, crowded up with the bucket, the cow really can't move, she can't hurt herself and she can't get out and that's, that's a really easy and safe way to do it, I think. All right, so we're, we're, we're moving the cow out of the paddock because we want to get her either off the hard ground or out of the cold or the extreme heat. What are we doing? Where are we taking her, Phil? Okay, so my mantra is that every farm needs a dedicated nursing area for down cows. Yep. Um, now, most farms don't have them and the farmers say, oh, look, I'll worry about that when I've got a down cow. That's fine, but the trouble is when you've got a down cow, that's imposed on your day already. So And it's calving time. You're going to be right. run off your feet anyway. Yeah. You're yep. busy. You haven't got time. And then all of a sudden you've got a down cow to deal with. So the day's gone to, to pieces already, um, which means that you're probably not going to move the down cow there till the end of the day or perhaps tomorrow when you get around to it. But, hey, that's too late because by that stage all that damage has occurred. If you've got a dedicated area set up in advance of starting to carve, and that's what I recommend, then it's very easy to pick the cow up, put her in there, and often that might be only an hour or two after she's gone down. Now, if you get a cow, get a cow down with calving paralysis, well, then um, the first thing I'd do, go down there, pick her up, bring her back to our shed straight away. Don't leave her there in the paddock all day because, as I say, you'll probably have, uh, have the consequences before you've even moved her. Um, and if you're setting it up in advance, you can then do it properly rather than putting something uh, together at the short notice, which won't be as efficient. 
So a dedicated nursing area, Phil, that sounds expensive. No, not at all. It's very simple and easy. Um, again, the fact sheet goes through the fundamentals of down the cow nursing. Um, so there's a lot of good information there. Basically, what I like to do is have an area for a single cow, which would be about three metres by three metres or thereabouts. We don't want the cow crawling around in an extended area um, because that causes a lot of secondary damage to the femoral nerve from the back getting out and twisting and causing damage to there. Um, we want her on a steep, soft bedding. And what I mean by that would be something like um, 30 or 40 centimetres of sawdust, rice holes, wood shavings, something like that sort of area. Sand is very good as well. Um, if she's on hay or straw, it needs to be probably about half a metre deep because what the cow does is she digs through the substrate. And if it's an open substrate like hay or straw, she's going to dig down through that much easier than a more compact substrate. And if she digs through the substrate, she's then sitting on the base, which in most sheds is going to be gravel or perhaps even concrete. Effectively, the cow is then sitting on a very hard surface and then you've, you've achieved nothing. Um, so what I recommend would be having a small area in the, sh in the shed, ideally, to protect her from the weather, be that hot or cold. Um, having her enclosed with barriers so she can't crawl out of that area and get off it because uh, had a few you put in the hay shed and put them on a lovely bed and come out the next day and of course they've crawled out the front and they're lying in the mud <laughs> or the gravel out the front. So we need a barrier to stop them crawling and to confine them on their bedding and that way we can control the bedding that they're on. Now, is it expensive? Well, if you want to build a dedicated shed for that, yes, you can spend as much money as you like. But if you can set aside an area in a pre-existing shed already, um, all we need to do is have some barriers on two sides because you've got walls for two sides, um, or you can make an area out um, and you might use a couple of big round bales. What often works well is two round bales side by side is about the right sort of width. So uh, if you're making one, say, outside where weather's not a major problem, you could put six round bales in a U-shape, so two on each of the three sides, and then a gate across the front that you can get in and out of, um, or any combination of that. Um, a lot of farmers will use rice holes or similar substrate in their calf sheds, and they've usually got leftover stuff from last year. So what you can do is bring a couple of scoops of uh, last year's leftover stuff Put that as your bedding, and that's not going to be quite so hygienic, but you can put at least a, you know, 30 or 40 centimetres of that and then get another bucket load of clean stuff to put on the top, and then you've got a beautiful, hygienic, clean, soft, deep area that the cow can be confined on. Um, now, if it's in a shed that's close by and convenient, it needs to be. You don't want the cow in the hay shed way down the back paddock because you're only going to go to there once a day. You need to be checking and observing this cow multiple times during the day, to feed and water her, to roll her if that's appropriate, which we'll come back to, um, and make sure that if she ends up flopping over on her side that you can sit her up and uh, not have any other damage going on from that sort of thing. Yeah. So, Phil, what if you're? What if it's not cold and it's not really hot and she's on a paddock full of soft grass? Okay, so paddock nursing um, was a lot of the cows I was investigating and what I concluded with paddock nursing is that paddock nursing is satisfactory if it's not too hot, it's not too cold, the ground's not too hard, the ground's not too cold, it's not too muddy, um, 
if the cow's not crawling around and out in the paddock she's going to crawl and if she can be supervised adequately so that you can check her a number of times during the day. So yes, paddock nursing can be all right, but with all those prerequisites, there's not too often that it is. So uh, it's easy and convenient to have it down there. Some farmers think that a cow crawling around in the paddock to be able to eat the grass is good because it gets the circulation going. No, it doesn't because the legs get out behind them and that damages the femoral nerve and you get secondary femoral nerve damage and that stops them getting up. So we don't want cows crawling. So so let's talk about we've got our we've moved our cow out of the paddock into our dedicated nursing area or we're nursing her in the paddock but stopping her from crawling. We want to roll her from side to side if she's not able to do so herself. What other yep. what are the other important aspects of nursing that down cow? Yep, okay. So rolling is very important. Um, some cows can swap from side to side. A milk fever cow or a cow with pregtox, they can. So part of the observation a farmer needs to make when he's observing the cow is can she swap herself from side to side so every time you walk past make a mental note okay she's on her left leg and this time she's on her right that's great we don't need to nurse it if she's always on the one particular leg that's when we need to to uh, to roll it um so that's an important part of it we obviously need to make sure she's being well fed and she's watered um, and that can be frustrating because you put a bucket in front of her with water and of course she then goes and breaks the bucket and spills that everywhere um it's important that they're not lying on their side. A lot of cows will flop over onto their side. Um, and if they do that, and again on a hard surface, what you do then is get pressure damage to the nerves of the front leg. Now the major nerve to the front leg passes between the rib cage and the sh underneath the shoulder blade. So if she's lying on her shoulder, that nerve gets jammed and you'll get paralysis of the front leg. Oh golly. And then you get a paralysis of the front leg, which stops her getting up. Um, now the sign of that would be when you pick the cow up with the hip clamps. Yesterday she could stand on her front legs quite happily and now she's not. And often they're not standing on one leg with the other leg obviously damaged. It's They're not standing on either because they know they can't. So they're dangling and hanging. The farmer thinks, oh, bloody cow, she's sulking. Well, she might be sulking, but it's probably more likely that she's actually been laid over on the side because the farmer hasn't sat her up properly. She's now got brachial plexus paralysis, which is the the nerve that uh, goes to the shoulder and uh, she's now got secondary damage and that's what her reason is. So being able to observe the cow, if she's lying on her side, we need to get her sitting up soon. And again, we need her on soft bedding so that if she does get over in the middle of the night, we don't see her. She's not going to get the damage that you would on a hard surface. Yeah, great. And how often should we be lifting cows, Phil? Lifting, that's a very important part of nursing. Um, most farmers use a hip clamp. Um, a lot of people think hip clamps are cruel and don't like them. A lot of people think they're, they're great. I've had a lot of experience with my nursing of these down cows and my summary of it is that hip clamps are the best thing for down cows and hip clamps are the worst thing for down cows. So every cow is different and we're not going to have one rule about hip clamps and lifting cows. Some of the seminars I give for Dairy Australia um, the farmer would say, look, I was told years ago by the vet that I have to lift the cow for half an hour twice a day every day. Okay, well, that's good if she's responding properly, but that's the worst thing to do if she's not. So again, what's going to happen with the cow? If you pick a cow up and she can stand reasonably well by, uh, with just the support of the clamp, then it's the best thing. But if she's not, if she's hanging from it, that's the worst thing. You're going to get a tremendous amount of pressure over the pelvis where the hip clamps are attached. That's going to cause muscle swelling and pain. 
and within a few days the cow is going to be sore and when you pick her up she's just going to say oh that hurts i'm not going to try and stand bingo you got secondary damage and pain and the cow is worse than if you didn't lift her at all my rule is my two rules of lifting is it's got to be effective and it's got to be supervised what do i mean by that effective lifting to me is the cow when you pick her up she can bear at least two-thirds, ideally three-quarters or more of the her weight on her worst leg. Now, if she can do that, so she's bearing a reasonable amount of weight, the clamp is just steadying her and balancing her, then that's great because it gets the circulation going um, and that will help give her confidence that she can, can stand. So that's where it's the best thing. If she's bearing less than that amount of weight, so that you're going to get so much pressure, then lifting is going to cause more damage than, than good. Why can't they bear more than that amount of weight is one of two reasons. Either the damage to her is such that she's unable to bear weight on that leg for a bad paralysis or something like that. But equally, a lot of cows, it's not that they can't, it's just that they won't. Lifting a cow up by a clamp is quite foreign to a cow and anything with a bit of an attitude or temperament a lot of them will resent that, so they're actually fighting against you. You're trying to do the right thing by the cow. The cow gets a bit peed off about it. She doesn't cooperate. So that cow is then not standing because she doesn't want to. And whether she can't or whether she doesn't want to, either way, it's an ineffective lift, and that's the worst thing. Um, now, what do I mean by supervised? Well, supervision is important so that when she's up, you're able to keep a close eye on her because after a variable time, the cow will then tire and want to sit down. Now that might be five minutes, it might be sometimes even a couple of hours. So as soon as the cow is no longer standing effectively, that's when we need to be able to respond, put it down. So an effective lift doesn't become an ineffective lift and we've undone all the good work that we've done. Sure. So that means, again, coming back to a dedicated nursing area, it needs to be somewhere close and convenient. Um, I'm not saying particularly that you need to stand there and watch the cow for all of that time she's up. You just need to be able to respond. So having it in a shed close to the dairy or the calf shed or somewhere like that where you can then go about and do a few little jobs while you're keeping an eye on her and then as soon as she's tired, putting it down is, uh, is ideal. All right, so Phil, we've talked a little bit about effective nursing and, you know, when the cow doesn't want to stand or she's unable to stand, which... I suppose it's going to lead me into my next question, which is when do you know when to give up? Not all these down cows are going to recover. How do you know, how do you make that decision? What are the things that you need to consider about the decision? Because if she doesn't want to stand, is it because she's not going to recover or is it because she doesn't want to? Talk me through the decision process that a farmer needs to, to think about. Okay, good question, Steph, because that comes back to the issue of welfare. Um, the reason Dairy Australia got me to do the research here a few years ago is because they wanted some good... Uh, robust study looking at how to manage down cows to make sure that they're being nursed correctly. It's a very important issue from a welfare for uh, two levels. One is the individual cow's welfare. We're obviously concerned that she's going to be looked after properly and that's important. But bigger picture, from the industry point of view, it's vital for our industry that we as key st stakeholders in the industry, be it vets, advisors, farmers, that we're doing everything we can to maintain the high quality and standard of welfare for the animals that we deal with. Now, the trouble with gold standard nursing is there's a lot of time involved in it. You need to have the right facilities. You need to be able to have enough person power to then look after that cow adequately. And if they're going to be down for two or three weeks, which 
it's not uncommon for some of these bad paralysis. There's an enormous amount of investment of time into that animal. Um, is that worthwhile? Well, that depends on how you, you value these things. A lot of farmers will put an awful lot of time and effort into it and think it's worthwhile. But more and more these days with the bigger farms, a lot of employed labour, we're finding that farmers don't tend to persist as long as what they used to. And a lot of farmers, if the cow's not up after two or three days, they'll then collect to euthanise that cow. A lot of those cows would have gone on and recovered given more time. But if the farmer's not able and not and or not willing to look after that cow at a high level, and when I say not willing, I don't mean it's because they don't care, it's just they don't have the, the time and the resources. Well then, rather than having her sitting out in the paddock being nursed poorly for a week before he shoots her, I'd much prefer that that call was made earlier. Um, give her two or three days, if they're not up by then, unless they're being nursed at a high level, they're unlikely to get up. If they are being nursed at a high level, continue to do that. Yes, please do, that's the best thing for them. But if you can't nurse them at a high level, destroy them after two or three days because they're not going to have a very good chance of getting up. The cow's welfare is going to suffer, the industry's reputation is going to suffer. So do it well, or don't do it at all is my uh, take-home message there. What sort of recovery rates are we talking about, Phil, between like a gold standard, dedicated nursing area, optimally nursed cow? What sort of recovery would you expect for a cow that's nursed like that versus a cow that's nursed poorly? What, what are the stats? Okay, um, good question. Um, and again, I refer you back to the fact sheet on the Dairy Australia website because there's actually a graph I've got there of my 218 cows differentiated between nursed, what I call satisfactory versus unsatisfactory. And that means satisfactory nursing was being nursed more than 50% compliant to my gold standard nursing. Unsatisfactory was less than that. Now, the reasons these cows went down was many and varied and some of them were not going to get up no matter how good a nursing we do. So what would an exam, What would be some examples okay. of those So cases? a really severe calving paralysis where the nerves are totally destroyed, sure. um, she's got no hope at all. And that again comes back to make sure that we know what's wrong with a cow and how seriously injured it is. Because if it's too severe, it needs to be euthanized on the first day. It's no point nursing her because she's got no hope. Yeah. Um, what I found in my studies was that there's only about, I think off the top of my head, about 13% of the cows of my 218 that were just, that didn't recover solely because of the primary damage. So yes, primary damage is important, um, but about three quarters of the cows that didn't recover didn't recover because of the secondary damage wow. that they, they evicted. That's massive, Phil. So three so didn't for three quarters of the cows it didn't matter what the primary cause of so whether it was milk fever or calving paralysis they didn't recover because of the secondary damage because of the way they were managed after going down. That's right. Yeah, that's so, massive. Solely because of the secondary damage. And then another 13% was because of combination of primary and secondary. Sure. But that figure blew me away. I knew secondary damage was important, but when we uh, did the research, that was an outstanding fact that, as I say, three quarters of the cows that did not recover did not recover solely because of the secondary damage. So what that tells me in an ideal world is if you can stop any secondary damage, all of the secondary damage from occurring, so that means gold standard nursing starting right at the very start of their recumbency. If you can get no secondary damage, um, and again, coming back to the water tanks, that's where they're so good because you get very, very little secondary damage with that, then you could expect to get 
three quarters of the cows that you would have go down would would recover. Um, now, obviously, it depends why they went down, but talking big picture. Whereas the ones that were being nursed at an unsatisfactory level, there was less than 6% of those cows that recovered. So what are some examples of unsatisfactory, Phil? Can you talk me through maybe a couple of those individual cases? Yeah, okay. So unsatisfactory nursing will be on a hard surface, not being rolled, being exposed to the elements, mud, uh, not being sat up when they've fallen over, not being fed and watered. Okay. So all of the things that we need to do, you're doing that at a very poor level. Yeah. So basically a cow sitting out in a paddock that you give her a bit of hay and a bucket of water once a day and she's left to her own devices, that is unsatisfactory. Unless it's a really nice day, you know, as I say, on a nice soft sandy soil and things go well. But most of the time, paddock nursing is unsatisfactory. So you've got less than a 6% chance of those cows recovering as opposed to the ones that are being nursed satisfactory on my chart. You'll see there was about half of those ones did. Obviously, a lot of them had secondary damage before they were brought into the, the good quality nursing. Um, the other thing on that graph to notice, though, is that the ones that did recover the, from the unsatisfactory nursing all recovered in the first three or four days. Then after that, none of them recovered. Whereas the ones being nursed at a satisfactory level, not only did a lot more recover, but they continued to recover in the second week, the third week, and even one of the three cows being nursed in the fourth week still recovered. So that tells me that if you nurse them at a high level, you'll have less secondary damage. They have a higher chance of recovering from the primary damage. And if they do have secondary damage, it's more likely to recover. So you can, in theory, nurse that cow for an indefinite period of time with a reasonable chance of her getting up if you want to put the time and effort into it. Conversely, if you're nursing her unsatisfactorily, if she's not up after the couple of days, she's going to have so much secondary damage she won't get up because of the secondary damage and because that secondary damage won't be able to recover. So she'll get damage on top of the damage on top of the damage and Just a snowball. she's not going to make it. That's yeah. a snowball effect. And that's why if they're not up after a few days and you can't provide high-quality nursing, you've really got very, very poor chance. Of yeah, make the call. Make the call and euthanize the cow and do the right thing by the cow and also by yourself because you're just wasting your time as well as uh, making yeah. the cow suffer. Yeah. So based on that, Phil, we, you know, your, your PhD really clearly demonstrated just how effective nursing is. So, you know, when we think about things like anti-inflammatories and, um, you know, other sort of supportive therapies, yep. nursing is still fundamentally the number one thing. How effective are anti-inflammatories compared to good nursing, yep. for example? Okay. Um, anti-inflammatories, I think, is part of the overall thing. So the anti-inflammatories will take away a lot of the swelling to the muscle and to the nerve. So you can use that both preventively and also to help treat if they do have that. Anti-inflammatories are prescriptions, so they need to be obtained through your vet. Um, and just so we're clear, Phil, um, when we're talking about anti-inflammatories, um, we're not talking about antibiotics, we're talking about anti-inflammatories, yes. so things like ketoprofen, um, Medicam, um, uh, these are just some examples, Flinixin, Tolfagec, they're just a couple of examples. Yes. That's what we're talking about, isn't it, Phil? That's correct, that's right, yes. And uh, a lot of farmers will have access to them because some of them would use that for treatment of mastitis. So if you've got that on, on hand or if you don't, well, then you need to get the vet either out or get it dispensed from the vet. So they are an important part of it, um, but there's no substitute for nursing. And what I found in my trial is that if I just looked purely at whether they had anti-inflammatories or not, it made very little difference. Wow. Um, in fact, there's no statistical difference whether they had it or not. 
That doesn't mean don't use them because um, I'm, there's a lot of cows that probably didn't make my study, had the anti-inflammatories and recovered, so therefore they got up. So yes, use the anti-inflammatories. Um, it'll help. And also I think from a welfare point of view, it helps take away some of the pain and the suffering. So it's certainly indicated from that aspect too. I'm a big fan of using anti-inflammatories. In fact, any downer cow, in my opinion, needs to have anti-inflammatories. But if that's what we're relying on and not concentrating on the nursing, we're not going to get a very good result. Um, I found no statistical difference whether you use anti-inflammatories or not in the recovery. But if I compared good quality nursing to poor quality nursing, there's something like a 12-fold difference in recovery. 12-fold, Which yeah. means, you know, that's enormous. So if you can do something and double the chance of a cow recovering, that's good. I'm telling you that gold standard nursing will improve the chance of recovering by 12-fold. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, very, very significant. And again, you know, blew me away when I realised just how powerful that nursing is. So anti-inflammatories, yes, but nursing first, nursing second, nursing third, maybe some anti-inflammatories as well, and then uh, nursing, nursing, nursing. Like, what about pressure sores, Phil? Is that is that a trigger for euthanasia or can they be managed? Um, it depends how severe they are. If you get developing pressure sores, that's telling you that you're not nursing that cow right. properly. So you need to change the nursing and improve it. Um, if you improve it, they will probably recover. But if you've got pressure sores over the pelvis from lifting the cow inappropriately and too long, and you continue to keep lifting that cow inappropriately for too long, she's going to get worse and worse, and that mm. would be a reason to, to destroy the cow because she's not going to recover. So, sure. again, it comes back to uh, how well you're being nursed, whether they're going to recover from that. Look, Phil, this has been a, an amazing discussion. And as we both know, um, you know, we could talk about this topic all day and you've just got such a wealth of knowledge. Um, really want to thank you for your time and for sharing your knowledge um, with the listeners on the podcast. Um, as Phil said, there's lots of um, fantastic further resources, videos, um, the flowchart that he referred to available on the Dairy Australia website. So if you'd like more information, go and have a look there. Um, otherwise, look out for Dairy Australia's Down a Cow workshops. So we're really lucky to have Phil delivering workshops in some of our regions and some of some vets that Phil's trained up delivering courses in some of our regions. So if you want to know more about nursing yeah. down a cows, get in touch with your local uh, regional development program. Yeah. Thanks no, so much, that's Phil. That's a good point, Steph, because what we do is we have an on-farm one where it takes a couple of hours to go through what I've been talking about in a lot more detail. And then on the farm, we go and set up a, uh, a, a dedicated nursing area and we'll go through the exercise of doing that. So it's sort of small groups of perhaps 20-odd farmers and it's really interactive and we find that very beneficial. So, yes, talk to your local uh, regional dairy officer, a DA officer and we can get them organised if you are interested. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, Phil. Thanks Pleasure for your that. time. Great to uh, talk to you. Thanks to Phil and Steph for an episode jam-packed with practical information. We should also just note that Phil's research has been funded by the University of Melbourne and Dairy Australia. As was mentioned in the podcast, there's plenty of resources available at dairyaustralia.com.au where you'll find videos, fact sheets and decision trees that will help guide you through the treatment steps for down cows. Also, don't forget to talk to your DA regional office about any upcoming courses in your area. Well, that's it for this episode. You can find other Dairy Pod episodes on SoundCloud or subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks for listening and bye for now.